1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Liège-Bastogne-Liège Recap. Remco Evenpolle rocking up in the full white shorts and world champs kit. A pretty interesting sartorial decision with rainy conditions expected. We'll get into that and his supposed showdown with Pogaccia, who's been cleaning up everybody from Waffanat to Vanderpool to Pidcock across Flanders to the Ardennes. Could he complete the men's triple volering Had just done it earlier in the day in this monument. 260 Ks. Wenji went through in the preview how the route changed, but reduced with 35 Ks to go, 1600 meters, 9%. Then Rochefort Combat is the last long climb, about 13 Ks from the finish, with lots of hard, medium mountains, steep sort of climbs punctuating throughout the day. But Three news before the race? Ah, Ulisi was out, Benji for Pagacchia, and I thought, yeah, and Omen and Van der Sunder out for Yumbo. Exactly. So two
0: riders on the on the side of Yumbo with COVID, if I recall correctly, yeah. or a COVID positive test. Now I didn't expect those riders to be the, the biggest influence on the race, but Ulisi has been strong for Pogacar yeah. in flesh. So that is a that's a, a rider that's out for a team. That's a, a notable missing out for a team. But even before the broadcast started as the race went on we heard some rumors of sick riders like go being sick we know it for a week
1: now that ain't a rumor yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: that's he a fact
1: a... <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows except fcj maybe they do know. so
0: true he, he was taking bottles today for the team so why are they sending him here i don't well, get that i
1: listen benji i'm no performance expert as you know but if there's one thing i do know if you have bronchitis or allergies the best way to recover before your big A target that year in summer. The best way to recover is to do back-to-back six five-hour hilly races in rainy, cool conditions. If I yeah. know anything about cycling, that'll make him get better. He definitely won't have two weeks off the bike now. Absolutely fucked. Misses his altitude camp. Comes in undercooked at the Dauphiné. They got it all under control. Um, exactly. For sure.
0: I believe you. Now, Enric Moss... This was during the broadcast, but it was dropping very early, and that was because of stomach problems. So before we wrap into the, into the racing itself, those are two riders with actual health issues. And, and Vlasov. Then we heard the bad news. What, sorry?
1: Well, and you, we predicted that Vlasov would be too sick to do the last stage of Alps, but was able <laughs> to start here. He actually wasn't sick. They just wanted him to start in um, to fly up well, in time. He might he was as out well GC. have been sick. Spoilers. Well, I mean, yeah, whatever was <laughs> going on, with GC there. But he started as well as Egita and Hindley. So Bora had a pretty good, strong team. And, you know, Egita and Vlasov were good here last year. So I can't remember anyone else starting. Uh, O'Connor and Kosnifwa also, uh they came from those French classics. Anyway, as you said, Benji, when we were recording the women's preview, we got the bad news. First, it was Where's just race Center. Pog crashed on Twitter, right?
0: Yeah, indeed. The race center of the race, of Liège-Bastogne-Liège, in the ticker it said, Crash of Pogachar. Now, we see how people before. crash in races. A crash, we're like, okay, hopefully, hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully he gets on the bike and he continues onwards. That's what we want to see. We want to see Pogachar versus Remco at this uh, Liège-Bastogne-Liège. We've been hyped for weeks for it to happen. Yep. And then the next piece of information comes, which says three riders are continuing to ride from UAE from... Pogacar, they're they're moving on from Pogacar, and a few other riders stay with him. And when I saw that, I was like, "Why would they send UAE riders to the peloton again if Pogacar is going to restart?"
1: Yeah, I had no confidence
0: that. he would continue.
1: Remember the UAE stage when he had a puncture on the flat, and literally <laughs> seven UAE riders came back and did a flat team time trial to get him back. They ain't sending his, she back to the peloton if Pog yeah. is okay to continue, as you said, and. And then the news came out he abandoned shortly from PK, I think. He's a good one to follow on Twitter because he's yeah. literally in the race in in the cars uh, for ASO. So really a big shame. And we didn't know how banged up he was. If we know anything about Pog, like he has crashed before. In fact, he, cr- he semi-crashed in Denmark last year. He really hurt his hand badly. And he's gotten up, shaking it off, Strata. So even if he just was like... To be honest, even if Pog was concussed, I reckon he get back. He gets back on the bike and at least tries to keep going for a bit. And so that suggested to me it was a pretty serious crash. Slash, he is injured.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. At that point, then we also know that this is in my up. Uh, well, in my memory, the first time he crashes out of a race in his career, it might Pro even career, be yeah. Career because I do not remember him doing that at any point. He's the kind of rider that always he won has good technique so he can avoid crashes. But also, next to that, he's often been quite lucky with his positioning. Well, positioning might have been a skill, but also been quite lucky of being one rider too far to the back to actually hit the ground and so forth, like in the Denmark, uh crash on the, just after the bridge. Now, we hear a few hours later that he is indeed injured, suffered fractures to the left scaphoid and lunate bo- bones. The scaphoid will require surgery, which he will undergo this afternoon, uh, with a specialist hand surgeon here in Yank. That's what the UAE team brought out on Twitter. Now, I don't know anything about scaphoid injuries and so it's forth. My, my Google search uh, went on and said something between 6 and 12 weeks of recovery. And, um, for normal humans. For normal humans. When it comes to cyclists, they often get better quicker. Well, I don't how know long you supposed to recover from but... a collarbone?
1: Well, I want to see the someone tell us, someone tweet the at the pod account the Google screenshot of how long a collarbone injury is supposed to take. I bet you it's like three months or four months or something. <laughs> so I so are on the train of the next day. Um, but yeah, thought <laughs> it's his wrist; he's broken or got a fracture in. Um, yeah, he's probably like looking on the bright side. He was probably about to take five days plus off the bike anyway, like with the schedule he's been doing, that would be my guess. So hopefully he gets the surgery done, heals up quick, he gets back on the trainer in a week or less, and this doesn't affect his Tour de France preparation too much. Um, And yeah, he's obviously gone down hard. Uh, What we then learned about the crash was um, Honoré had hit a pothole, his front wheel just exploded, kind of like Bodnar? Bodnar, and we've seen a few. I don't want to start the yeah. tubeless debate, but like, um... what's his name? Who was the English fella in Carford Labra? There's the a guy English in Carford Labra whose in wheel Garford just Larbre. evaporated on his front wheel. It might not have been English at all. Um, M-
0: Marty's Mikkels had it happen, but
1: Fred right, Ryan was also a right. guy that happened. Yeah.
0: But also in Israel, everybody had, literally yeah. everybody could have been.
1: But anyway, <laughs> apparently, on right hit a deck, Pog behind him down so there's no photos there's no footage it was before live coverage started um and i was looking on Corvus. normally there's photos of it so i think this was in a a rant there's no even spectator photos so there's no crowd nothing so it must have been a weird part of the race um you know am i allowed to make a joke you're allowed to make a joke i came back to podcasting after breaking my finger um, <laughs> shortly afterwards and that was a dog, that was a serious attack so if I know Taddy <laughs> Pogacar, he'll be back I reckon he'll be, hopefully best wishes to him, he'll be back fighting fit for his race before the uh, Tour de France, pray to God because <laughs> we need him at the Tour de France <laughs> Just imagine him not being there, it would be like
0: a Yumbo domination that we don't want to see so um, anyway Pogacar out of the race, it's changed a lot when it comes to the race First of all, when it comes to UAE, that's the obvious one. They need a different strategy. Hiroshi is probably going to have a free uh, a free day as free leader Hishi, yeah. from this point onward. And when it comes to the opposing teams, are they still going to try and launch it early or anticipate early? Because on paper, that's what we would have expected from the other teams. And then you see that Remkostel in the race, who is a rider that can also just drop them most likely if they go
1: to the last two climbs. So I guess they still have to kind of open it early, right? Yeah, this is the interesting thing, and um, convenient for the sponsor plug. If you're watching on GCN, you saw the EF team briefing with Tom Southern. I've got to say, thank God it was Southern this time because was a little bit more life. It wasn't like we were in a mausoleum like the one like the other week. This one was actually, there was a bit of banter. I quite liked it. Um, and I, I also was like, I wondered, are these staged? Because.
0: It looks staged. Do you reckon it's staged? There's no way they're giving their real strategy to be shown but on it TV But the was the PowerPoint was on the board. Last time on the PowerPoint, there was a glass of
1: Amstel beer. Healy went and got it. He got a little <laughs> one. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, maybe, uh, maybe there's this stage. I want to hopefully... Actually, no. Don't break the fourth wall. Tom Southern, don't let people know. Um, <laughs> but they If you want to watch, by the way, little snippets like that, or the race in full, and GCN Plus shows the entirety of the race that is broadcasted, and they're going to have wall-to-wall Giro coverage in just under, or over, rather, two weeks at the Giro, and then the rest of the season after that. GCN Plus is your best place to do so. LRCP listeners, you can get 15% off. I went and compared today because you know I'm a US sports nut. The NFL Sunday ticket cost to watch the NFL games If you're in America, it's like over 350 US dollars a year. And like the NBA, other sports, MLB, the League Pass, like the cost of GCN Plus relative to other sports who are much bigger orgs is just insane value. And it gets even better with 15% off for all the cycling hardcore fans that we know you are in selected territories to watch all year round. So go check that out down below. Thanks for GCN Plus Plus. For supporting the show, but yeah, on that EF point, Benji, I thought they should still open it up early. Okay, Pogs out, but I'm still scared of Remco. You know what's yep. going to happen on Redut? His team is strong. Like, do you really think all your guys or your two leaders—if you're Trek, if you're Bahrain, if you're Yumbo, if if you're EF, or you inios you really think two of them are gonna follow Remco and Redut? Absolutely not. So. I thought people would want to open in the stocky region. How do you say it? Stocker?
0: Stocker. Yes, Stocker. yes, yes. I agree. I agree that other teams would really still like to open it up early. I think that Quick Step might have been a team where it might have internally changed where they want to attack. Yeah. I because think so. against Bogacar, you don't really want to attack on Lareduto or you don't really want to attack on Pochefoucault. You want to attack on a, a spot where you can get the initial gap on. Pogacar, and all those times he's, he's going to be in your wheel, huh? So, you can't, really, uh, you can't really figure out how to attack on there, but without Pogachar, well, you can just attack wherever you want, as long as you're the strongest. So, we get towards the breakaway formation, we get a breakaway. That breakaway is being controlled by Quickstep in the peloton, and hard. I was shocked when you said Mauro Schmidt was pacing to control the breakaway. I was shocked. Maybe it doesn't feel so good today.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, in hindsight it wasn't so bad. Um, but yeah, maybe it didn't feel good. But they were keeping a tight leash on it. Like two, yeah. three minutes, pacing really tight. It was a break of ten plus with Simone Velasco and Jason Osborne being two of yeah. the strongest in that group. Astana, head wheel Astana is obviously like a completely different team. Seriously. It's crazy. Um <laughs> like Velasco great in this race. Um Yeah, Quickstep just had it really... I think they were doing the right thing, which was make the race as hard as possible. Yeah. It's getting a little bit rainy. And yeah, just do what... Now Now with Pog out, you just rinse and repeat last year. You just keep the race under control. You make it hard. You do lead out each climb progressively harder, and then you do a final big lead out on Redoute, and then you see what happens with Remco. 10 guys are not going to follow him on redo. You know that. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, not 10. Um, but I still thought, okay, someone's got to, first of all, quick step pace. The Pelton was really thin. Like, you look back, Master's dropped, Lander's dropped early. Like, guys are going out to back. Guys who were good in Wednesday, like Lander. Igita. And, okay, Igita yeah, well, and a bit, bit of rain. Your pick, Butsenko. <laughs> no, he was just tactics. Tactics. Sandbagging. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I was like, come on, man. You got to at least run top 10. The wheel of
0: Sano is different, huh?
1: <laughs> no, they didn't give it to him. They gave him the Coromer wheels today. Clinches. With, al- <laughs> with rim brakes, he couldn't stop on the descents. in the wet. It's not his fault. Um, yeah. Anyway, I th- I thought the Stocko, I- I'll never be able to say it. Someone's still going to anticipate. And I'm looking at all those teams. And you know what? Tratnik went with Yumbo with Sheffield in his wheel, I thought good on both those teams moving forward because like, yeah, Tratnik ain't following Remco and Radu and neither is Sheffield. And I thought, yep. where's the F where's Bahrain? Where's Trek? Like Chikoni's or Mollema. Like where are the other teams? Maybe they did and they tried and they couldn't at that moment, but all these teams need to be there because Remco just going to cook you. Like, maybe he's underrated by those teams maybe they're too conservative ef's plan according to the powerpoint was to move here but it was just chef <laughs> and Tratnik. exactly and you're saying it right with Trek. Molomar should have moved there because
0: then we see later in the race that he moves in a sector that is not necessarily the right one because then quickstep is ramping it up so yeah. at this point in the race was the moment to make a move to make a group go early on and to have that group have a bit of a gap for the third fighter Of the race because this is the moment where Quickstep doesn't want to burn their entire team instantly because if they do that then Remco has to start countering whatever attacks that follow afterwards so they're gonna try and keep it slower this is the moment to go and they don't do that these riders we only see Sheffield but mainly Trotnik Trotnik doing the the bulk of the work Sheffield trying to follow and Maduas who just instantly bonked in the wheel so Maduas tried to follow and then died. But those three riders were the ones that tried to bridge up to the initial break when eventually, let's not play around it too much, Trotnik was the only one that could actually do it. The other dropped two Chef. dropped off his wheel, Dropchef, and Trotnik bridged over across a span of, let's say, 25 kilometers?
1: Yeah, he, effort. He Maybe mean. 15
0: to get to the front, but then he was, uh, then he was uh, friends with Headwheels Velasco, eh?
1: Well, not friends initially, but yeah, Tratnik looking yeah. lean coming down from altitude. He's one of the riders like Remco who's just come down preparing for the Giro. He's looking in really good shape. And yeah, he puts a minute into the group. It was Seri or Vavaka pacing. Vavaka went slow on the climbs to conserve himself and then really kept the gap stable on yeah. the flat. Smart thing to do. They wanted to keep Van Wilder for Redoute. Again, smart. And that's why if, she- if Tratnik had some help from those other teams... Maybe Quickstep don't have Van wilder for the Redout lead out, and maybe we have a slightly different race, probably not a different result. Uh, but they didn't. Tratnik, Velasco doesn't pull initially because he's going for the KOM, didn't know that existed in one-day races, um, and then eventually he takes over after he secures it, um, I think kind of feeling bad for Tratnik and, and did relay. But the gap was at like 40 seconds before Redout, and it was coming down with Vavaka drilling it.
0: I swear there was a moment with, like, 75-ish kilometers to go at the Stoku where I was like, his group is 25, 30 people, I swear. Yeah. I think if Remco launches now, he bangs the race and it's his. <laughs> Unironically. Probably. I was, it would have been a boring 80 kilometers, but on the other end, it's also the opposite extreme, where you're like, 80 kilometers, so I kind of want to see him try. <laughs> well, so it's kind
1: of like the opposite end, you know? It was looking like he had no choice. Like Renko mm-hmm. was getting put in a situation and that was because they had to chase Tratnik hard. They had, he had no choice. You either do the lead out with Van Wilder on Redoute and attack or you have Freyla, Sivikov, Sheffield, Pidcock maybe attack you. Probably not. They'll probably just do Skytrain and then get dropped. But, you know, other teams might try and attack you. So he has to go on Redoute and that's what happens. Tratnik drops Velasco, but he's not got a big enough gap on Redoute Van Wilder and Vavaka have done a brilliant... Oh, al By the way, we've done some al erasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's world champ 18 months ago. Yeah, he's had a rough time, whatever. I don't know what's going on. I know he's getting paid a lot, but you know what? When he did well in a lot of races at Quickstep, he probably wasn't getting paid a lot. So swings and roundabouts. This guy, yeah. Navuelta, was unbelievably good for Remco in the first week and a half, selfless, except for maybe stage four. That was a bit weird. <laughs> and today worked his ass off for Remco, you know, when he's a guy that's never won this race, and he's still up there in the Commonwealth. So I thought that was really selfless and worth noting. But yeah, Van Wilder does the lead out on Redoute, but Remco doesn't instantly attack Benji. We see Benote sliding. It's like Remco, I, I was waiting for the thermonuclear launch over the top in the white kit, because he already had a gap, Sort of off Pidcock and Pidcock's looking down, and he just did, he didn't go straight away. Exactly, it was
0: super weird, and I was trying to like identify what was wrong because it looked like something was wrong for a second. We yeah. were like waiting for two hundred meters, three hundred meters of like, why aren't you launching, Remco? Remco will launch, but there was one second there where I felt like visually he looked like he was falling through a gear or something when he tried something. I maybe. I'm grasping at straws, but I feel like he might have wanted to try something, but fell through his gears, then looked behind him, and then pretended like nothing was happening. Back into the wheel of Van Welder, who was slowing down a bit because Van Welder had been pacing <laughs> Abdel So far, we're, we're now getting towards the last 400, 300 meters of, of Aradud, and he's still looking over his shoulder every now and then, like specking in the group, seeing what's going to happen, and then then he like moves to the left and goes past, and that's when he puts in a bit of a kick, but it was not the... The thermonuclear attack, either no. it felt like it was more the, the atricious beforehand movement that led to him being able to rub the temple one more time that the others couldn't sustain.
1: He said in the interview afterwards, and I was in French, Benji, and I know you don't listen to the French in- interviews and the Walloon Oops. races on principle. He said there was a bit of rear wheel slippage when he tried oh. to get out of the saddle. Um, and so he could, could only really like attack in the saddle. That's why his eventual attack looked kind of weird where he wasn't doing like a peak sprint. He did get a gap. Peacock was already on the limit. But yeah, it was odd seeing that. Um, And it wasn't what we were expecting. And then Peacock was doing a really good job getting back to the wheel behind. We had two Trek riders, just like in flesh, two plus two for Trek in these races equaled it's zero. Four. Oh yeah, you're right. Zero. <laughs> two Trek riders. Again, one of whom should have anticipated earlier or Malama and yeah. they're, yeah, oh, well, they'll get back to Pidcock and Remco because um, they'll work together, right? It was uh, Ciccone and uh Behind is Benoit. He or she, plethora of other eyes. is Zagira, he was very good. Putrago? Putrago was very, very good. But yeah, Pidcock on the descent gets back to Remco's wheel. Full sprint effort doesn't relay smartly, yeah. should not relay. But it's now become a pattern where after these huge efforts in these long races especially in rainy conditions and he's already kind of been dropped before i was like there is no possible way peacock can hold remco's will now i thought it would be Cote de forge maybe where but- remco says goodbye but i don't know whether it's feeding or what or maybe it's just he's the Uncle. only guy trying to go with remco and it's over his limit and the other guys don't try and do that. And that's why, but he gets released by Remco kind of unintentionally on a flat section.
0: Yeah, and we see this a lot with Remco, right? That he's just pacing, holding tempo, that someone drops off his wheel. We saw it with Lutsenko at the World Championships with Pitcock now. We saw it with numerous riders in the past in like the of Belgium Tour in his first three years. So it's really a skill of Remco that he's probably so arrowed that everybody behind him is still suffering in the wind, which is actually quite mad. Now, Pitcock drops off the wheel and... I knew instantly when he drops off the wheel, he's dropping back to the riders behind. Like in previous races, he was dropping a few minutes even, but he didn't actually catch or uh, get caught by those track riders. But then he, then he sat with those track riders. And like you mentioned, they were then getting caught by the group behind. So we've kind of got this, this situation building where Remco is just riding on and riding on and riding on with more and more of a gap on the riders behind. And then that became a bit of a group right?
1: Well, I don't know. It was Skelmoser and Chikone. and Peacock, I think he, he... When Remco drops him, I see him smashing some food in the yeah. rear shot. And then he's eating another gel before, and he's not pulling with the Trek guys. And I was thinking, surely the Trek guys can keep... The chase behind them was dysfunctional too. Like, Group 3 is very dysfunctional. Um, like, it's Mattawas and Benoît and Healy and Conrad, kind of a bit of an attack, and he or she, a bit of an attack there. But they somehow get caught quickly by the group behind. And bear in mind they were two of the best four on Redute. So I don't know what the plan was. I saw them talking, Chicone and Shelmo uh Remco, by the way, the race is over. I know we've talked about somehow yeah. talked about this for a long time, but the race is done. Like the only way no one brings back the arrow bullet when they have this is now a minute gap. Straight away, after Redut in this phase, it goes a minute gap. And then Remco basically goes into He'll do the climbs probably at threshold. Not his, cl- not his max for that climb, as in his 60-minute threshold. Yeah. Than the people behind. And he'll do the flat, aero bullet style, probably tempo. And the descents, he was crawling. So he was losing so much time in the wet descents.
0: About that. Wet descents. Remco was probably told by a car. For sure. Take calm. Take, take it calm. Does that make it more dangerous for some riders where they're so careful that they're not used to being so careful to the point that it looks more sketchy than when they were riding fast?
1: It definitely looked more tentative because he's like on the hoods, body rates super high. He's like, yeah, he's not leaning into any corner. And this is the right thing to do. Like he's got now a 90 second advantage. Um And he stopped trying, I think, with half an hour to go, pretty much. And so, yeah, Remco basically rides away and solos to a magnificent victory. There's not much more to say, like, two years in a row to win Liège like this. I know Pogacar crashed out, but, you know, these things happen. It's still a monument win, and it was still in very, very dominant fashion. More dominant, in fact compared to yeah. guys that these are the guys Pagacha beat in Amstel on last Sunday. So huge from him and I don't know if like there's a lot of does this save quick does this save quick steps classic seasons. It's like I don't know. Yeah of course it's to win a monument is great and but that doesn't mean that everything that's happened before is fine or okay or doesn't need addressing. You know what I mean? Like Remco is great and Remco is a, a weapon you still need to change things for the, the other races.
0: I agree on it. I feel like there's a lot of misdiagnosing when it comes to the, the cobble season of Quickstep as well. People are like, oh, they didn't win a cobble classic and that's why their cobble season sucked. No, if you were expecting them to win a cobble classic in the first place with the riders that they had, then I'm like, you're probably overrating your expectations there because they're fighting against the big guns. But the biggest factor was the fact that they were uncompetitive and tactically weren't doing the best possible results the best possible things to get the best possible results like they forgot to get in moves in the early classics then then f- spent their entire team chasing that and they were completely invisible in the last part of the race and that's what was the most annoying part of quickstep in the classic the fact that they were not competitive in most of them in rvv they fixed that they were competitive there without getting in that early move with medallier in there Mellier pacing that group Asgreen then looking one of the strongest riders in that group with Jorgensen and so forth. Like, that's a race where they were essentially competitive because they were anticipating. And anticipating was the only way that Quickstep could get something out of the Gobel Classics. And they didn't in the majority of the races. Now, with the Hill Classics, I still feel like they, they underuse Schmidt in general. Like, I don't know what their plan is with Mauro Schmidt. Maybe he didn't feel so good today. He. It wouldn't have changed anything if he wasn't chasing the breakaway or if he, he was chasing the breakaway today. But in other races, in cobble classics, in earlier hill classics, he could have played a role in anticipating in stuff like that. Because he's a versatile guy that can get over cobbles, that can get over hills and can play a role in the team. And would probably in one of the cobble races have been the strongest cobble rider in the team. Probably, most likely,
1: well, you know, is who how I been? see it. Who would have been?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm called. Cool. Renka.
1: That. Don't you think Remco would have been their best rider at RVV? Yeah. He said he wants to do uh, Ronde van Vlaanderen at
0: some point in his career now. To. I don't necessarily hate that he's like, oh, the Giro is coming, so I don't necessarily want oh, to risk year. riding no, I get it. Ronde van Vlaanderen. But in other years, I feel like it's something he should try in the same way that Pogacar is trying. And I'd love to see him do it. So in general, I- I'm of the opinion when it comes to Step. Firstly, people that expected wins from Quickstep in the Cobble Classics with the team they have, a team that has become more of a GC team focused on Remco than in the past, was a, a full Cobble slash Sprint team in the past. Well, then your expectations were too high, but if your expectations were to, to be competitive, they didn't deliver in the majority of the Cobble races. When it comes to the Hill Classics, the Hill Classics are, are seen as less than the, then the Cobble classics when it comes to the Flemish sponsors, most likely of quick step. That's that seems pretty obvious to me. And the way they talk about those races as well in the media seems to be the case. But then Le Favorite this week was oh, if Remco wins, uh no wins pressure. LBL, yeah. He says, Oh, I feel bad for Remco with the pressure. But if Remco uh, wins yeah, LBL, yeah. then our season is so then our preseason is saved. I don't think it saves the preseason, but it's still good, it's still strong, and Maybe it's because we're stuck in this in this methodology, in this thought process that Quickstep is a classics team while they're transitioning at the moment. Then most likely next year they're gonna be even less of a classics team if our predictions on on the transfers might end up being right. But hey,
1: Remco, I mean, Remco LBL. Remco, yeah, go ahead. Well, Remco a pretty good trump card to have. You know, he yep. Lombardia, he crashed out in 2020. This is his monument. But, 2021, 19th in Lombardia. Liege won and first time of asking last year, then he won world championships, then he wins liege again. His record in big races is really, really good the last couple of years. Well, not just really, really good, like unbelievably good. So it's That's why I think, yeah, why can't he be good at uh Flanders? Now, obviously it's not compatible with an altitude camp before this year or this year, so he didn't do it. Um, but that's why I always thought you don't know, get him straight in the tour because yeah, uh, I think is a pretty good rider. But that's a discussion. We've already beat that horse. I want to bring another anyway. horse. Oh, no yeah, offense to horses. Yep. <laughs> I want to bring up another horse
0: for a second here. Maybe it's a, a random take. I'm not trying to make a take, but is there such a thing as an over-alliance on a single rider in the same way as Alpecin is so focused on Vanderpool in the past? Now, Philipson, of course, has been doing great as well, but when it comes to the monuments and so forth, Van der Poel is the one winning them. When it comes to quick Step, everything's kind of moving towards Remco. The pressure is something that he seems to can handle pretty well right now. Let's be honest about it. The pressure yeah. he can handle. He said he'd win. But he's got this... But when it comes to injuries and so forth, you're always relying on that one rider, huh? Yeah. Well...
1: UAE, do they rely on Pog too much? But it's like they, they send a lot of other GC guys to be competitive at other races. Yeah. Quickstep are a little bit, uh, not a little bit, are much more shallow than UAE. Yeah. I do think if you look at Quickstep today, tactically, they were really good. And it, sometimes having the clear leader, it makes things a lot more simple. Control the yep. brake, make the race hard. One by one, we burn our guys. Elon do the redout leader. We win with Remco. It like, and with Pog, UAE is a disaster class at races without him. And then when Pog comes, Flesh, control the race, very straightforward, everything's locked down, looking good. So in these races, having an a, A1 leader can make things a lot more simple. And, you know, like, whereas with Jumbo, with Volta and Benoit, has that really synced too much without, you know, like in Strada, if the note's with Van A, well, we all know he would have pulled Pidcock back or at least got yeah. on the front and tried to. So yeah. sometimes having the lead, but yeah, to your point, so much is the reliance on Remco. Like what's Van Wilder's role here out of contract? What's Van yeah. Servenant's sort of future at this team or role? Like Van Wilder, is he going to get a World Tour stage race he can lead this year? He didn't get to lead. Did he get to lead any of the Ardennes, or was he at um altitude Algarve. camp with the team?
0: He was at altitude camp after Algarve. He led flesh. He, did Algarve. he uh Yeah, you're right. He did Flesh, but Flesh is not the one where Von Wilder will strike in the first place. Algarve was one where he had the lead and where he has proven that he could do something. He did well. I'd like to have I'd like to see him be able to do stuff like uh, a Burgos, for example, that kind of stuff. And maybe he even gets to go to a to a Veltar or something if Remco isn't sent there in the first place. But there's just there's some opportunity with Quick Step, I think, to send Von Melch to at least one extra Grand Tour after helping Remco in another one. That I do believe is true. With Van Sevenant, my issue is more that we all we had that rumor at some point that there was a bit of a quarrel between Remco and, and Maori van Sevenand. Oh I really? don't know if that's true. But I do believe that based on what the team is doing with Van Savenand, obviously he's injured right now, so not hmm. the current weeks included. That I don't really know what their plan is with him, in the same way that I don't know what their plan is with a Mauro Schmidt, and in the same way that I don't know what their plan is with a Mauro uh, Mauro Bajoli, does a new rider Andrea Bajoli. <laughs> I just made a kid between between Schmidt and Bajoli.
1: <laughs> well, they often race together.
0: Yeah. Well, they might not make children together though.
1: Who knows? Um. <laughs> They might not be on the same team for too much longer, but yeah, Maori. I don't know. I mean, he got to lead Oman. I do think though, they got to be careful with Van Wilder. I know this is a sport to yep. take. I'm not saying in the Giro. Giro got to go for Ramgo. This is a bit of a sport to take. But <laughs> Van Wilder shouldn't be a domestique in Dot Pro races for other yep. riders. He should, and he wasn't in the Algarve, but in that Portuguese one day he was in Formdrö he was where Pedersen and Alfleet did win, but he was a domestique there. I don't think... I think he should be doing something else. Um, and if he's not helping Remco in the biggest races, he's good enough and young enough that he probably should be doing yeah. his own thing. Anyway, we haven't really said what happened behind. Um, there was toing and fro It kicked off on Rochelle again. Ineos came back with Diplouis. He was very strong. He did a lead out at Rochelle Faucon, Sivakov attacked... And Pidcock was kind of dropping back in the group, but then it completely changed. Healy then kicked uh, for EF Education. Easy post. He was probably the strongest on Rochelle Foucault. Boutrago follows him. And then Pidcock comes out of nowhere to get across to uh, Healy. Maybe this was on Boncel. I don't know. There was so much to and fro in the group behind. And eventually a group of three go clear. And this is where Trek is like, you've got to be in that. Because this is the this is the podium going up the road. Peacock, Petrago, Healy got the road, and they all start working together, and they get 30 seconds then on group three, which is like Hirschi, Van Hills, Chikoni, Sivakov, Bade, Izagira, Guillaume-Martin, uh, Madawaz, who's come back from, dropped by Tratnik. They're all just attacking each other, and it turns into a disaster. So Peacock, Petrago, Healy. Healy tries to attack just before the last corner, probably a bit too late, actually. Because Pidcock just backs himself to close it. I think he needed to go earlier. Bitrago looked in a little bit of trouble. But Pidcock X backs the wheel. Healy leads him out. And Pidcock wins the sprint easily. The second. Betrago third. Healy unlucky not to get a Monument podium. Fourth. Maduaz fifth solo. Martin sixth solo. Benoit seventh solo. Then Conrad wins the sprint ahead of Schkelmoser. And he or she rounding out the top ten. So yeah. It's... Is it a different Top ten? It feels very different to me, Benji. No Woods, no Fulsang, no Roglic, no Alaphilippe. It feels, no Van Aert, no Turns, no Aguita, no Martinez, no Valverde. It's a really different Ardennes cast of characters apart from the winner, I feel like, in the last week and a half.
0: I think so as well. Now, there's always the the thing you can point out with with Fulsang of like, we kind of expected him not to be here after yeah. a certain amount of years, and Israel decided to give him a 17-year contract anyway. But when it comes to other riders, I feel like we also see the change of guard with summons. We see, for example, the likes of um likes of Healy showing up in the in the top four. That's that shows that we've yeah. got a new guy on the block. Putrago is also a youngster. I also feel like today's race might have been different in the way it's raced to the point that it was more of a Flandrian classic. Then it was an ardent, punchy race. Does that make any sense? Because the further out it goes, the harder it becomes for the likes of a Land and so forth, and a rainy, hilly parkour. I think for a Higita and so forth, it becomes more of that Castel Fidardo vibe, where you've got like the riders that can do the the actual Amstels a bit more than they would be able to do an LBL in a traditional way, because traditional LBL is waiting until Rosso Foucault and then boom they right away yeah. up, up until Which two years ago the woods, so. I think. exactly so i think that is what changed i think it's the factor of Remco and are opening these races up early to the point that we don't necessarily see those those sunny day punchers at the moment
1: yeah i think so and also yeah people getting older younger guys coming through like Eshkelma, Zerubotrago made, and Keely.
0: talking about older Vilverde won a
1: gravel race today you probably would have been their best rider for the Ardennes. This, Yeah, you probably would have. Like, seriously, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, Trek will be disappointed with not getting a podium, I think. Um, yep. With Shigel, or Chikane. And Peacock, unlike Amstel, he seemed to regather himself. I was really surprised. I wasn't expecting it. But yeah, he got that food in after getting dropped by Remco, and he, he bridged back across to the... Healy big move on Bonsol or Rochefaucon whenever it was. And did he get second from where he was, to be honest? Pretty good from him, given that I don't think anyone was touching, like, Remco today. If he fed well, if he didn't feed well, he's getting dropped on Forge or Rochefaucon. If Pagacci was there, who knows? He, he's more likely to stay with Remco after Redout, that's for sure. I really... I don't know what would have happened... That's why it was so interesting. I don't know whether Remco would have pulled with him. I don't know how conservative Pogaccio would have been. I don't know. And that's why... I mean, I actually probably give the edge to Remco a little bit, just because of freshness. Um, But we were denied of that. So it's a little bit of a shame, to be honest. Um, But still, that's the way it goes sometimes.
0: Do you feel like we're
1: kind of stuck with the Pitcock narrative in the spot
0: where he's just not good enough to follow the the big f- three, four riders that is the pogachas, the Walfenarders, the Vanderpools, and the Evenpools in the world, because we've been talking for a while now about what his eventual goal will be, whether he will transform into a into a, a Tour de France GC rider at some point. But he was clearly looking to to get something out of, a, first, the Cobble Classics, then Concussion happened, then the Hill Classics, and I feel like he's just not there, as in just under the top riders.
1: Yeah. I think so. I mean he's going for the win he's trying to follow them Yeah. and you know maybe that's why if he rode like Healy and Amstel maybe he doesn't crack so badly or maybe I don't know Um, maybe he said his punch is missing maybe the concussion affected him, maybe the feeding's a problem and he can't keep enough food in or store enough glycogen for these 6 hours 260k marathons which are raced from the gun just about and that just the attrition of these races wears on him until bang, he's gone. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's certainly talented, and to come back and get second is really good. And um, but yeah, he's not. He's not on the level of a Remco or a Pog or a. And and in the Cobble Classics, it's even harder because he's like sub sixty kilos. And on the flat, the heavy or the, the sort of heavy stuff, he gets, just cooked by um. The bigger guys, they're like eighty kilos. Vanar and Vanderpool. Can't believe
0: that we made this podcast relatively long already and haven't discussed for a single second the
1: effect of white shorts. Like, I mean, does it give you make you go faster? I don't know. It it looks better on the bike, but off the bike it
0: doesn't look good at all.
1: I mean, really? I haven't seen yes. Remco off the bike in my life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he stuck to it, glued it probably doesn't look great running, riding around I don't know hopefully is that
0: what suit get... all
1: this? Yeah, stupid. I think it is a, yeah a construction product um, well hopefully they can get some more sponsored dollars in so maybe they can pay Remco's liege bonus promptly um, <laughs> <laughs> or I don't every race
0: I... the guy wins he loses a domestique next
1: year <laughs> probably and he's like, well, imagine Remco sees the Tobias Foss contract. He's like, what the
0: fuck? I told him. I told him the other day. Like, I told him the other day that Foss is supposedly rumored to, to, well, to be costing 2 million, 1.5 to 2 million, roughly. Yeah. And Remco's response was like, are you serious?
1: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll do the rant now. Okay. Because I just listened to the McQuaid podcast again on what's occurring with G. It's actually a really good pod. Would recommend you listen to it. McQuaid, his agent, runs Trinity Management. Very good pod. Very frank. I listened to it twice now. I remember I went and drove to Geneva to do that exam, which was a bit of a, a nightmare. And, you know, four people passed out of 30 people. And everyone's motivated and they're studying to they do that agent exam. And I had to do it if I wanted to get the agent... Certificate, which I have, but then I don't use anymore or use at all because mm-hmm. of the Yumbo work. But I had it anyway, um, at least for the LOLs. And nice Instagram picture, I guess. And I do all that. Had to do it because even though I'm a lawyer, because I'm not able to be a lawyer in Andorra where I'm domiciled, I have to get the certificate. Only if I live in Australia could I do it. Playing by the book completely. Had to do all that. University educated, and so are the other people in the room too doing that exam, a lot of them. Yeah. Patrick Apol doesn't have to do any of that. And he just goes to dinner with Remco and Lefebvre and negotiates probably the most, from a writer perspective, one of the worst contracts in sports. And he doesn't need any certificate or whatever mm-hmm. because he's a relative. Now, that's fine. That's their choice. And McQuaid said it too, like, he, you know, that's... Some people, it's not all about getting the most amount of money possible. Um, life's not all about money, and he's still getting paid significantly more than the average human. But I think where that falls down is if you give a quick, if you give, because I'm, I'm bringing all this up, Benji, because you said he'll lose a domestic. If you yeah. give Quickstep a hometown discount of over 50%, yeah. you cannot then have the team turn around in transfer market and say, oh, well, Sorry, there's no money to get you any domestics, or whatever. It's like, yep. come on, this is the deal. This is this is. The, what are we doing here? Because um, let's be clear, MCO can get about
0: five, six million-dollar teams, yeah. right? Yeah. And now we're guessing he's worth he's at getting, least five. Now we're guessing he's getting two, two point five max.
1: I have no idea, but he's not getting five. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Not getting five or six. Um. Like, isn't he worth the same as Pog? I don't Because of the think nationality.
0: No. The nationality might increase it, you're right. But when it comes to, like, if we look at performance, oh, no, he's no, not yeah, on the of level of Pogacar yet for me. So he'd be close to Pog as, like, 75% of Pog, Yeah, money-wise and so forth. Because he'd, he'd be one of the, the three-ish competitors for the Tour de France next year. He'll be that. That's for yeah. certain. And he's got a chance of, of winning that race. Now, then you've got the opposite side of the corner. You've got a rider, uh, Tobias Foss, for example, because we were talking about him. Might as well rant onwards about him. He's a rider that did his World Championship time trial, stormed off to victory. He got that there. But outside of that, he hasn't been consistent outside of that World Championship time trial. Now, in other races, he was top five in Algarve when it comes to GC. He's only got one top 10 in a Grand Tour two, three years ago now. The first Giro he did with Jumbo as a, as a leader. But last year, he was not anywhere to be seen in the Giro when he got another opportunity to prove himself there. Another world to race. He's not showing that either to the point that he's now folded into a domestic quality Yumbo Visma.
1: Bro, he got and I'm dropped like, by Kung in Algarve.
0: And, and I'm like, I'm hearing rumors that there's then a team willing to pay FOSS around 2 million. X apparently said no, rec- according to reports online. No, no,
1: so- Haugland said, you know, GM, yeah, that the agent asked him for two, and then Vila Flitz, who were pretty well informed, said it's one he signed somewhere one and a half, and the four teams are Bahrain, Ineos, UAE, Israel. Yeah, now two of those teams have some of the worst TT setups in the world tour, so I don't know what they think they're cooking up. Um, so
0: doesn't whoever, seem like he- regardless regardless yeah. whoever thinks the guy is worth 1.5 to 2 million could not be in the job that they're in because he's worth around 500k to 750k max and 750k is you think that if he could potentially evolve into a GC rider which currently is stagnating
1: yeah i mean some people look at cycling a little bit differently than we do um, maybe they're watching something else I think sometimes, because if I had to guess it's Israel, because Froome could be off the books. He's not raced since Rwanda. Um, if, they've given out, Imagine. if they've given out some of the worst contracts in cycling before, yeah. then why wouldn't it be them? At least he's under yeah. 30 this time. Um, Ineos possible if they think they're living in 2011 and it's Bradley Wiggins and they're going to convert him into a GC guy. Bahrain. It's Idensman, but Bitek Idensman. UA, I don't see it. Matchin loves the Watts pequila stuff. He won't. I don't see... He doesn't seem like a UA... Maybe, maybe he's a ruler, though. Maybe for you as a ruler. I don't know. But, listen, I, I want guys to get paid. That's. I just went on the rant about Remco. Remco deserves to get paid. He's, double, he's World I'm Champion the angry Double man. Monument winner. Pardon?
0: <laughs> I'm the angry man complaining people get paid too much. No, no, no. <laughs>
1: it's. It's. You're just saying, like... I hope... It'd be great if every cyclist who risks life and limb, they all get paid $10 million a year. That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah. But of course, there's market prices, and some teams see things very differently, and it's not as, it's not as analytical, this, the pricing, as uh, other sports. And that's how somehow you can have situations where, as you said, Foss could get paid that. Remco could be on not something too dissimilar. Balzinios, I'd probably pay him. I'd pay Remco six. I'd pay him what? Why not? What else you yep. got on?
0: You busy? Yep. But wasn't there a rumor that Bora has already offered like five
1: or so at, at an Emco in the past? Which... But, if this, but this is where the agent thing comes back in. Yeah. Quickstep don't have to do that. They sign him to like end of 2026. Yep. People say, oh, I'll do a buyout. If you have a contract, the team doesn't have to just let you do a buyout. They can just say no. All, unless like,
0: your contract has that,
1: but Unless you've no negotiated way. a clause where you say, hey... We'll take a hometown discount. And if we're happy, we'll stay. But if another team comes in and offers above this figure and you can't match, you have to let me go. That ain't in the contract. I, I doubt. Because if it was, Ineos or Bora would have come knocking already and it'd be... Well, that's if he was unhappy. Maybe I mean, he's won two Monuments, won the Vuelta, won Worlds. It's not like he's not winning big races at Quickstep either. Um, and I also think the team... Thing domestic thing is a little bit overblown. Team was strong mm-hmm. today. Team was good in the welter. Team would be good in the giro. I think maybe that's a little bit overblown. Um, but yeah,
0: but Spitcock's on double the salary as Ramco, most likely right now, huh?
1: Probably. Probably. Okay. But McQuaid's his agent. He's yep. he knows what he's doing. That man. Um. Anyway, that's see age best on the age. <laughs> wasn't like the best race ever, got to be honest. But Remco did the business in the white shorts. They didn't get too dirty, thankfully for the children watching. Um, But we'll be back with... We won't have Romandy daily coverage this week. Uh, We will do a wrap-up at the end of the race. Um, For the five Romandy
0: fans out there, I'm sorry.
1: Sorry to Romandy, but we're having a little break before the Giro. And then, yeah, we might have some transfer news if more stuff kicks off. It seems to be that season at the moment. But I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and uh, we'll see you in the week or later in the week. Ciao.